Hey everybody, Kevin Grossman here, president of Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards. We want you to join us for our next virtual conference, Ramping Full Cycle, Recruiting and Hiring Proven Practices Post-Pandemic on August 18th and 19th. Which that last part, I know, may not exactly be the case, but here's to hoping. To learn more about the virtual conference and register, go to thetalentboard.org. Enjoy the podcast. One is this involves employees of your organization, especially when you're talking about intermobility, because you are telling people to move to your next position. It's uncomfortable. It's embracing change. There's a lot of ambiguity and people don't like that. They like the clear, easy path about how do I move from one step to the next. You're listening to the Candy Shop Talk podcast brought to you by Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards Benchmark Research and hosted by Kevin W. Grossman. Talent Board is the first nonprofit research organization focused on elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience. The Candy Shop Talk podcast welcomes David Crawford, Vice President of Talent Acquisition at New York Presbyterian. David and his team will be speaking at the Candy's Virtual Conference August 18th and 19th. Listen in on how improving candidate experience impacts recruiting in the business bottom line. David, thank you so much for joining me on the Candy Shop Talk podcast. You are the vice president of talent acquisition across the New York Presbyterian Hospital Enterprise. But before we dive into the rest of the show, I'd, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you and what you do today. Sure. Terrific. Well, thanks, first of all, for including me here, Kevin. I always enjoy talking to you and looking forward to having this conversation. As you know, my frame of reference in heading up a talent acquisition function, especially at a major healthcare system, is a little different from most heads of TA. And by that, I mean, number one is I have a business education, you know, undergrad in economics, an MBA in uh, the concentration management accounting. And I grew up in the world of finance, front and center, how to run a business, revenue generation, expense management, looking for business opportunities, looking at undervalued situations, market changes, exogenous influences. But what I do is position us as how we can use that finance training, that finance background to leverage our strengths looking at full-time employment, part-time contractors, per diems, strategic partners. So how to run talent acquisition as a business to deliver high quality care for our patients. Just as simple as that. And that is the, I, the fabulous, number one, because I've been having these conversations lately with folks, because I'm sure you know that there's a lot of frenetic hiring going on all over the place now. And, and that's great. It's exciting. At the same time that there are recruiters that are carrying really heavy rec loads, like way too many recs. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, and that that comes at the expense of a can- good candidate experience, a good recruiter experience, and to better understand understand, have a leader like you that understands business and to be able to apply that to the people side of the business, which is a big portion of it, as we all know, and how important it is with patient care in healthcare. It's refreshing, David, to hear that. So that's why I'm also excited that you're going to be speaking at our August 18th and 19th virtual conference, which we've titled Ramping Full Cycle, Recruiting and Hiring Proven Practices Post-Pandemic. A little premature to say post-pandemic, I know, but that's okay. We're, We're working on it. We're trying to get through it. You're going to actually conduct a a discussion with some of your team members about finding the right people for positions inside the company. So first, 
tell us who who's also going to join you in this discussion and then talk about why is this such a challenge for organizations? Well, it's it's hard. That's why it's a challenge. And the first thing is it's hard on two fronts. One is this in, involves employees of your organization, especially when you're talking about intermobility, because you are telling people to move to your next position. It's uncomfortable. It's embracing change. There's a lot of ambiguity and people don't like that. They like the clear, easy path about how do I move from one step to the next. The other piece that's really hard is, and this is on our side, you need an infrastructure in order to get this thing done. You need support to, to get this thing right. It's not just about, oh, internal mobility, post a job, apply online, good luck. We'll, we'll see if we can interview. It doesn't work that way. So I'm uh, bringing along my posse, my, my friends here, who have been involved in getting this thing done. As far as redeployment, when it was the height of the pandemic back in 2020, where we were redeploying our finance workers, our IT workers, our people in operations, our people in HR to frontline jobs. And then the other two people that I, I invited are talking about more long-term, the future of work. How are we shifting responsibilities? How are we winding down some jobs and moving into others? And in doing that, how do we prepare people? How do we get them comfortable in moving into these new positions? And they can explain it much better than I can because they lived through it. You know, there's a lot of media coverage on the fact that employees everywhere are leaving organizations. And even the BLS data has been showing that too for the past couple of months. And we've been talking about internal mobility. You know, when I say we, I mean, just the collective being in the recruiting and hiring space for as long as I have too. We've talked about it for, for a long time. How do you further then differentiate the internal mobility journal journey from external hiring? Because it's not a one flavor. It shouldn't be. So tell us some of the things that you'll probably discuss too during the, the session. I think you owe your employees more than you do external candidates. And every time you're in talent acquisition and you're talking about recruiting, it's always external. Always bring people into the organization. And I truly believe sometimes the right answer is right in front of your eyes. But you have that problem of the devil you know versus the devil you don't. If you work in the organization, you've been there for a few years, I know the good things and the bad things. And in some cases, which could play to your strengths if you're a star performer in your particular job, terrific. But manager might not want you to leave to go to another position. And in some cases, if you've been in a job for a long time or a company for a long time, I remember you from when, you know, back in the day. It's like your grandmother always thinks you're five years old. You, you can't get out of it. So with that, I think part of it comes down to having a program or a way that you are connecting to, to your employees because you do owe them more. And, and I believe that you owe them more because they get the mission, they get the vision, they understand the, the culture. You can teach them a skill. The hard part is making sure that there's a program, that there's training available, that there's support, so that it's not just apply for a job interview and then see what happens. You have to make sure that there's more support surrounding that so your internal folks can be effective. Now that's obviously, we're talking primarily administrative type positions, right? Or even, even on your team or other departments. I mean, we're not talking about doctors and, and nurses. But you could be talking to people who work in our clinical labs who are in one particular area and they might want to learn about blood bank or move into another area of our labs or nurses who are interested in another specialization. So it, it can be across the board. How do you get, and, and, and if you've gotten exactly 
example of that now because you referenced helping them with skills, learning other skills, upskilling is another way we've been talking about it in the space. What kinds of programs and do you have those internally and who who helps support that? I mean, I, I would assume that that falls under the greater HR talent management umbrella as well. But how does that work at New York Presbyterian? I mean, how are you helping to provide, especially when it comes to from a retention standpoint and to give them an opportunity and other places in the organization? How are you doing that at your organization? There are a few things that can happen. Well, one is there's uh, tuition assistance and education that takes place outside of the institution, especially if you need a degree that you don't have to become something else. So that's one. The second is for more of the soft skills or project management or other technical skills, there's e-learning that, that's available. And then also at the same time, there are other courses that we have that are run by our talent development team. And with that, there are focus groups. So you never want to be on the journey alone, just as when you're in school, you're working in the class. So the idea is to come up with cohorts so that you can share experiences and know that you're not alone in this journey to do something else. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well at the session. Again, there are, I'm sure there are very unique things to healthcare versus technology industry versus finance and insurance. And there's probably some universals too, but you know, obviously the, the pandemic continues to be a big differentiator in, in recruiting and hiring. But what are some of those differences that in your experience that you found that are particularly unique to healthcare? As I think about my career, which has most likely been in money center areas, you know, where we talk about financial empowerment, financial inclusion, wealth creation, values I believe in, things I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong. I do believe uh, that that's very important stuff. But in healthcare, it hit me right in the face when I first joined the, the, the institution. What caught my eye to transfer from that financial environment into, into healthcare is that we are dealing literally between life and death. When you're going to a hospital, it's not a hotel where you're on vacation. You're going there because you're vulnerable. Nobody likes to go to the hospital. You, no. you, you, exactly. <laughs> you're going there for hope. You're going to the comfort. You're going to deliver a baby. And the thing is, especially when we need more people in all types of functions at, at the hospital, not filling a job could impact someone's life in a negative way. So even in the job that I have, which clearly is not clinical, my team is there to find the individuals that can work with a team of people to make a difference to someone's life, to someone's family, to, to someone's friends. So that level of importance there is really there. And that is why we really focused on redeployment during the height of the pandemic for us to take people in administrative types of jobs to um, work in laundry, to distribute materials, PPE, to distribute meals to, to our, our, our frontline caregivers, to work in ways that actually got them into the hospital to help their fellow colleagues. And it gave them a greater appreciation of what we really do for our patients. Now, is that is that something that has kind of ebbed since last year, since the heart of COVID in 2020, or is that- It did, because back in the day, it was grab as many people as you possibly can, because we, di we didn't have enough. What we saw at that time was, oh, we have a new 100 patients, and then the following day, another 100 patients. It was a nightmare, where we normally have about 450 ICU beds. During that time, we were at 750. We had 2,500 uh, COVID-positive patients across 
across our entire enterprise. Right now we have a little bit more than 100 just by, by comparison. So it was a very difficult time emotionally and to think about what can we do because we did have not only more patients coming through, some of our employees were getting sick or they needed to be quarantined because they were exposed. And just think about it, March and April of 2020, we knew so little about this disease that you were learning along the way. Remember when you used to wash down your groceries and then it was, okay, you don't really need to do that. But knowing so little, you had to respond in a way. And I am so thankful and all of us are grateful for the people who moved away from their regular desk jobs to come into the hospital to help out. Yeah, you know, I remember... <laughs> I just remember that quite well when we, we, my wife would bring the groceries home or one, if one of us went and then we would I'd be wiping them down and putting everything away. And we did that, definitely did that early on. You touched on this a little bit already in regards to just helping to encourage your employees to, again, to, to grow, innovate, adopt continuously as, as, as you said as well. What is something that happens? Let's say that I'm a, a candidate for one of those positions at New York Presbyterian and you're team has, has been recruiting me. And then let's say I, I get the offer. And even prior to day one, how am I being embedded into that culture early on? Is, is Are there things that happen? Like, you know, by the way, you're doing this job now and you're going to be trained and ramp for this. But, you know, there are there are these things, these programs that we have, development, et cetera. Is that what happens out of the gate or... Well, for the short-term assignment where we needed to redeploy people rapidly, it was a basically, here are different types of jobs, which one do you want? So it's kind of a sign-up sheet. It was nothing more complicated than that. Obviously, we needed technology so that people could indicate not only their preferences of the type of tasks that they wanted to do, and we would definitely train them to do to, to that stuff, but also which location, which hospital. I didn't want to assume that because you worked at one hospital, you might actually live closer to another hospital or you're available evenings or you're available weekends. You know, a hospital isn't working just nine to five. It's a 24 by seven shop where we have uh, needs just around the clock. But now though, that's there's, we're back to a little bit more of regular life, I guess, if you want to call it that, like of the, that works. So you're not having to say, sign up on this sheet and you're just going to jump right in and do that now that project called the nyp be ready brigade we sunset it because we didn't need the volunteers if you want to call them to to, to move into to those uh those needed spots we're, we're not where we were back in the, that at that time yeah thank, thank goodness for that although there's many other healthcare organizations who are there now <laughs> and especially in the hot spots throughout the the country moving on to something as we round out this podcast that i wanted to touch on that you know a few years ago we did one of our candy work workshops on site at New York Presbyterian and really enjoyed that. And I remember the thing that one of the biggest takeaways that I've st still have never forgotten to date is how in your recruiting culture, you truly encourage your team to meet the candidates wh where they are, how they self-identify with themselves, who they are. And not only that, but also encouraging to provide some level of feedback, to especially to, to, to finalists. Is that something that continues to date with the team? We do. And it's harder to do that virtually because that's what's what's happening these days. But being connected to, to folks is really important. What I don't like is, or you know, the stories we've all heard of, oh, I interviewed and was recruited. But when I show up on day one, that's not what this place is while we were recruiting you at that time. You have to have full transparency because there are two decisions to be made. One is, do we want to hire you? The second one is, do you want to join them? So I believe in the integrity 
integrity of that process that there are two decisions to be made to get to that match. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank, David, thank you so much for sharing the, these insights in this, this podcast. Looking forward to seeing your session with your team at our at our virtual conference coming up on August 18th and 19th. The last thing I always like to ask all my guests, whether they've ever been on my show or not, is that we're, o- we're always working all the time. Work, 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 work. It's always about work. And I love talking shop, which hence the name of this podcast. But what else does David like to do? besides work. Well, David does like like to work, but also let me just, just say before I close, um, this is not going to be one of these sessions at the conference where it's, oh, look how wonderful we are and everything that we did. I'm going to talk about all the things we did wrong so that people can learn from our, our mistakes, but I won't disclose that because of the, the time that we don't have right now. No, and save that, save that for your session too. But, but that's important to note because I think that's where, where they want to hear what you've learned and what you've overcome and what you're doing to make a difference, but it's all those things that make a difference, so. But back to your question, I like to get absorbed in things that have nothing to do with my daily routine, which means I cannot relate to it in my real life. Movie thrillers. I love a thriller that has twists and turns, and you're like, oh my God, or you know, you never saw that coming. Um, most recently, my, my son got one of the, uh, what is it, the Oculus, a virtual reality, and learning what, what that is, so it, it's fascinating to be in this virtual you know world where I'm sitting in a chair and I'm looking things around so I like things that are totally unfamiliar to my normal regular life that that's what I like to do for fun well that's fun one of my one of my dear friends that I, I was tell, talking to you about before we started recording that we get together every year a group of friends he one of them has the, the he's totally into VR and he's doing VR art now and all sorts of things but he had it's the like this I'm a big Star Wars fan so he had like a Star Wars game that you can play with the goggles on it was so much fun but it's so disorienting when you take them back off because you're moving in a, in a five foot radius span and you feel like you're going everywhere then you take them off and you're like whoa exactly and, and do do not go on a roller coaster in a virtual reality thing it, it i was sick for like an hour afterwards it's unreal no definitely not going to do that that's for sure well david thanks again so much for being on the candy shop Talk podcast and looking forward to you being at the conference with your team and looking forward to one of these days singing in person again. Terrific. I look forward to it. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Candy Shop Talk podcast. For more information about Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards and Benchmark Research, visit www.thetalentboard.org.